Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Estate Milestones. Today, we have Heather Dreeves, who's the Director of Funding and a Fund Manager at Secured Investment Corp, which manages funds focused on residential real estate throughout the country. SIC helps self-employed entrepreneurs and their families build wealth through or through residential real estate. Heather, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great. So I'm excited to discuss your funds and what SIC does and, and especially learn a little bit about your market and what you're thinking um, about these markets about the country of real estate going forward. But first I'd like to start with what's your first milestone in real estate? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it kind of was, it's been a long path. You know, I, I, I fell into this industry uh, 18 years ago, didn't really know much about the private money space. You know, I, I had experience um, watching my parents create wealth through real estate, but really hadn't decided to do it myself um, and got involved with it more from an investor side where I was working with clients that had capital that were looking to invest in real estate, but they didn't necessarily want to be hands-on and deal with tenants and toilets and fixing and flipping. So that's really kind of where my background came from. And then about 15 years ago, my husband and I decided to do our first fix and flip. I figured I, I should probably drink the Kool-Aid and see what our borrowers were experiencing, you know, um, from a, from a borrower's perspective, from buying the property to rehabbing it and managing contractors. And so we did our first one 15 years ago. What's not as glamorous as it looks on HGTV and uh, nothing went as planned and it took a lot longer than we thought it would, but um, I think I gained a, a better appreciation for my borrowers that are borrowing money from me rather than just the investors that are investing capital. And it helped me, you know, help these types of clients manage their projects better, you know, saying, no, you're not going to get that done in 30 days. That's probably going to, you know, whatever the case may be, it just, it, it, that was my first, you know, real um, experience investing per se, hands-on in real estate was fixing and flipping our first rent, uh, uh, residential property. And we've done several since then and rentals. And honestly, I'm at the point in my life where I'd rather just deploy the money and let somebody else do the work for me <laughs> and have my money work for me. So that's where I'm in, I'm at today. Absolutely. And I, I understand what you mean, because I started on the, um, on the equity side. And then mm -hmm. last summer I went to, I worked at a lender and really got a, a better understanding of the debt side and realized how it's it's all one big puzzle in the capital stack. So having an understanding of both sides definitely helps to, or if you're on either side, having an understand, understanding of the other side is incredibly yeah. important. So yeah. that's awesome. So I'd love to hear about the history of SIC and kind of hear about the funds that you currently have open. Yeah, yeah I think that's an in interesting journey also. I came on board uh, with SIC 11 years ago, came from a, an existing lender um, and through the 2008 turmoil had kind of made my mind up after I cleaned their portfolio up in 2010 that I was going to get out. Um, but to my surprise um, was uh, approached by SIC and I'm very glad I came here. Um, but when I came on board, we had you know two sides to it and we still have two sides to it, but we functioned much differently. We had 
are very active real estate investors that were looking for funding for their projects. And then we have our very passive clients that don't necessarily, again, want to be hands-on, but had capital. And we're looking to deploy that capital in alternative assets, much like what we offer, um, but very wanted to be hands-off, right? They don't want to be dealing with tenants and toilets and contractors, um, but they, they like their money being secured by, by real estate assets in the alternative space. Um, what we found was things were very clunky, right? We had brokers and borrowers that were on this side of the business and they were saying, hey, you know, my, my loan went through underwriting, it's been approved. I'm hustling and trying to match them with a client that had capital. Um, you know, as a real estate investor, if any of you folks on here are active, you know time is of the essence, right? When you've got a good deal, usually they're off-market deals, it's distressed sellers, you got to close quick, right? So we found it very clunky uh, for our borrowers and brokers once they got through underwriting that now we were waiting a week, maybe two weeks to get capital because a lot of our clients use self-directed IRAs and, you know, tax-deferred accounts like that. So at that time, we were just matching borrowers with investors. We were saying, hey, Ben's got a deal. Heather's got some capital. Let's match them up. Let's get the deal closed. Heather, you know, um, uh, benefited because Ben was paying her interest payments and then paid her back when he sold the property or refinanced. But the process just was super clunky and slow. And so the other side to that is a lot of our very passive clients, you know, didn't necessarily want to fund a note because, you know, their opinion was, I like the asset, but I don't really want to own it. And if Ben doesn't pay me back, I'm going to have to foreclose. Then I, I don't have cash flow for, you know, six to 12 months. I'm having to pay foreclosure costs. And so what we decided at that time was, why don't we open a fund? Why don't we still sell notes to people, you know, that are a little more risk adverse? But if we have this pool of capital from other, you know, uh, passive clients, I could get Ben's deal funded for him immediately after it cleared underwriting and we checked all the boxes. And now it's not as clunky. Ben can get his deal closed. He can start the project. I can put more passive clients that don't maybe want to take on some of the risk of buying a notes in the fund and their money's working for him and everybody's happy. And so at that time, uh, 10 years ago, we opened up our first fund. We called it Fund One. Um, not knowing at the time when we opened it, we, we, we wrote it as a five-year fund. And so, you know, five years went very quickly and we thought, oh gosh, now we have to wind this fund down. So that evolved into what we call Fund Two, um, which most of our clients that came from our first fund really just rolled their capital into Fund Two. But we still were challenged because at that time, we only could allow accredited investors into it. So they had to have a million dollars in assets or uh, qualified through their income. And, and honestly, for the most part, you know, when you look at the population of, of alternative investors, a lot of them aren't accredited. So it was great for our high net worth individuals, but we always felt like we were doing a disservice to people that weren't accredited that really wanted to invest in an alternative asset. And so uh, about four years ago, we opened up what we call the Circle of Wealth Fund 3. And it's really the same type of a fund. We manage them the same. But now people that don't necessarily qualify as an accredited investor, they can actually invest capital into this fund. And it's got a minimum of $1,000. And so here we are today. We have Fund 2 and we have Fund 3. We manage the same. Um, we'll, we can get more into the weeds with you know, what that looks like and how they make money. 
but ultimately we can offer that opportunity to invest to just about anybody and people with as little as a thousand dollars. So that's where we are today. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's, and it's really interesting to see your diversity of, of um, offerings. Um, so getting to the a little bit more granular with that. Um, so you, with the mortgage note side of your business, you'll originate these loans. You'll, uh, you know, you'll give capital to a fiction flipper or someone who's, you know, working in the, in the single family space. And then you'll sell the notes to past investors. Cause that seems a little bit different than how I've heard it before, where yeah. you might have a fund that then deploys the money. So yeah, I'm just curious about the structure yeah. and how it might differ. Well, and I, when I talk about our funds, I feel like they're hybrid funds because a lot of times you'll have a debt fund or an equity fund, right? Debt funds, usually people are just funding a bunch of debt and, and they fund it up and then they don't fund anything else until something pays off or, you know, they refinance out of, out of the, the portfolio. And then on the equity side of things, a lot of times funds are buying assets, you know, they're buying apartment complexes and, you know, their, their strategy is to sell it in four to five years when there's appreciation, which is a great strategy, but again, your capital's tied up. So one of the things, there's a couple different things. First, when we set these funds up, we said, okay, we don't want to rely only on debt and we don't want to rely only on acquisitions. We want this hybrid fund where we have different streams of income coming into our funds. So what we do is we take 75% of the balance of our funds and we lend that money out. That's the debt side of things. Those are short-term loans. So 12 months on average is our loan terms. Uh, we don't lend more than 70% of the value and they are all those all those loans or debt that we we lend out are secured by first lien position notes against anything from a single family up to a four unit. So if Ben was coming to me saying, hey, I found this distressed property, these people want to sell it, I'm going to rehab it, I'm going to sell it in 12 months, we could potentially lend you money. The other thing is we didn't want all that debt just sitting on our portfolio either because we want to continue to roll that capital. So then we said, hey, let's be able, let's let's allow for us to sell those notes out of the fund, but we'll keep an interest strip. So we might charge Ben 12% and one point for his money, for him to borrow money from us. And I'm going to turn around and sell that paper at 10%. So we get all our capital back to the fund. We can go originate more, right? We're turning that money over, but we're going to arbitrage it and we're going to keep a 2% interest strip on it. So our debt in our fund, we just constantly sell because the reality is I've got clients that only like to buy notes and I've got some clients that only want to go in the fund. And then I've got other clients that do both. So we've, we've created this ecosystem over the last 11 years of all these different types of clients. And we can really just about accommodate anybody's appetite. Those are that debt is nationwide. So we have brokers and we have borrowers all over the United States that many of them are very repeat clients with us. They will come back to us over and over because they've already gone through our approval process. You know exactly what we need. We can get a deal closed for them in two weeks, providing we get all of our boxes checked. We have title, we get an appraisal, all those types of things. So we can move pretty quick. Um, so the reality is the fund makes uh, profit off origination points. It makes profit off of interest payments. And then it also makes profit off of the arbitrage on the notes that we sell, right? On the other side of it, we have what we call our acquisitions. And we buy real estate, but we only do that in our local market. And that is specifically in Eastern Washington in a town called Spokane, Washington. 
Um, any of you guys are basketball fans, Gonzaga, Spokane, Washington. So it's a very popular area. Uh, and then Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is 15 minutes away. And that's a very popular area in Northern Idaho where a lot of people are starting to move, but that's where we're located. That's the main reason we acquire properties only in those areas. We have a contracting crew, we have a property management department. We are a licensed um, Keller Williams agent if we need to sell it. So then we've got this other profit coming in from the sale of properties, from cash flow, from rentals. And that's the acquisition side of it. Those are the properties we buy to hold sometimes. Sometimes we buy them to fix and flip them. It just depends on the numbers. So we've got ultimately all these different streams of income coming in, which is great for investors that are looking for cash flow. So some of our clients are in a, situ in a situation or a place in their life where they've created a lot of wealth and now they want to have their wealth work for them and live off of that cash flow. So our funds pay out consistent profits, um, either quarterly or monthly. And then some of our clients are younger and they are really growth minded. They're in a position where they're saying, hey, I've got a a day-to-day -day job. I don't need the cash flow, but I want to grow my accounts as big as I can. They can actually compound their earnings. So that is great for self-directed IRAs and things like that, where you can just reinvest your earnings and now you're compounding um, your returns to you. Okay. Wow. So there's a, this is very interesting <laughs> and there's a lot to unpack there, but um, yeah, this is fascinating. So I'm, I, the first thing that fascinated me is that it's, you get to operate like a bank where you get to make originations and then sell off the notes, therefore having the capital back to redeploy, but still making a spread or, you know, there's that 2% arbitrage that in your example, um, that's very, that's very exciting, especially in this current environment where you may have different um, standards than the banks where, you know, banks are not lending out. Banks are very skeptical, very hesitant for many, many different reasons, but um, you get to be your own bank where you have your own, um, I guess your own thesis and your own appetite in which you can you know, still continue to invest. So I guess two parts of the question would be, um, you know, how are you, you know, how is this strategy powerful in terms of like a lending platform relative to, mm -hmm. you know, what else is out there? And then also um, how is investor sentiment changing from, from the perspective? Because, you know, now with warehouse lines being difficult yeah. to get, it might be better to have passive investors who are, you know, providing the, the initial capital. So I'm curious also how those investors may be changing in their, um, their mindsets to the to investment uh, landscape. Yeah. And I, I think it's almost the same question, right? Like whether you're a borrower or a lender, they're both looking at the marketplace. And, you know, what I have seen change most recently is one in the past, everybody was fixing and flipping. I mean, values on properties were increasing at such a rate that you didn't even have to be that great of a real estate investor to make money, right? Because the values, you know, were going up, interest rates were still very low. Most of our clients and even our strategy with our acquisitions was to buy and sell, right? Buy in, do a minor rehab, get that property sold because it was a seller's market. You had multiple offers. They were going under contract within hours of putting them on the market. So, one, our borrowers were exiting our, our deals very easily because they were selling them and, and making really good profit. And two, the properties we were buying on behalf of the fund, we were selling very quickly for a quick profit. Um, what I've seen change as far as sentiment goes, and this, this applies to borrowers and our, our passive investors, 
is, you know, we are looking at this as what is the different exit strategy? And that is really to buy and hold right now, because as interest rates have increased, values have came down, we are buying houses 20% cheaper than we did six months ago, you know, so the deals are better, but the exit strategy is different. A lot of our borrowers have realized, and, and for one, one thing to clarify is we play in the affordable housing market space. So we are not buying and we are not lending against high-end jumbo home loans. Those are typically the, the first types of properties that are affected in a recession. You know, the, the properties over the FHA caps. Our, our, our guideline is we buy under FHA cap and we lend under FHA cap because those types of properties specifically can typically be rented and cash flowed really well. And the ROI on that is they're, they're just incredible. So um, a lot of our borrowers, instead of fixing and flipping, have decided to rehab and now rent them. Um, we still have an exit for them because we now have a 30-year rental product too, where we can say, hey, Ben, you went in, you rehabbed that house. Now you've got a tenant in it. We're going to give you better financing um, and terms on a 30-year fully amortized loan so that you can hold it as a rental property because mm -hmm. the rents have increased so much, the cash flow on them is just incredible. That's also what we've done on the acquisition side of things too. We still fix and flip a few of them, but we're starting to hold more of those because the cash flow from the rents is so great. So I think that's the biggest change in sentiment that you've seen is, you know, and, and I think any sophisticated, successful real estate investor has to pivot with the market. You can't be so siloed in and, and set in one way and, you know, have the opinion like, hey, I've always fixed and flipped. This is what's worked for me. You have to shift with the market. There's money to be made out there. There's deals to buy, but you have to be able to change that mindset um, to adjust to the market. And so that's what we've done. And we've, we've really encouraged our borrowers to do that too. We've even gone to the extent where if we see them come in with a massive rehab bid where it's over a hundred grand and they're raising the roof, we're not going to lend on it. They don't need to do that. Do minor rehab, make it look nice and get a tenant in it. You are not going to make any money, you know, moving walls and taking roofs off right now in this marketplace. It's just not necessary. So as a, as an underwriting team, that's something you also have to look at, right? Because what we're always saying to ourselves is if we're going to lend money, we got to take this back. How are we going to get out of this? Because first, you know, priority is capital preservation. We want to make sure that whether we're buying assets or lending the money, we want to be able to get out whole and, and preserve that capital. So we look at that now too, is, Hey, you, you know, that's great that you have this massive rehab project, but that is unnecessary. And we're not going to lend against that you know, go back, readjust your rehab and, and your exit strategy. And maybe it's something we'd take a look at again. Yeah. And so it's very exciting that you have both the acquisition side and the debt side, yep. which is very powerful. Um, I'm curious, do you ever think about that in terms of um, your appetite for lending? The fact that you have the expertise to operate the properties also, um, that that yeah. could actually be put into the fund. You maybe get, you know, discounted real estate that you could have cash flow yeah. in the fund. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, because we, the other thing is all the debt that we lend on, we service that paper. So we collect monthly payments. We work with the borrowers on their rehab budgets, on their draws, you know, because the reality is we don't want those back. I mean, we look at them like we're going to have to take them back. That's what any smart lender would do. But the reality is we want our borrowers to be successful. Um, and so if we better understand what their, their project is going into it, we can better assist them when they have a hiccup, you know, if they have a challenge with a contractor, or, you know, they have some unforeseen costs, 
you know, because we are approving and having inspections done on every single draw and we help them set up the draw schedule, we know exactly what should be happening. And when it doesn't, we can at least help coach them through it. You know, a lot of times we can get another successful client in that market to maybe assist them if they're in over their heads, because the reality is we want them in and out of these deals. We don't want to take those back. We, we, we do have our bucket of acquisitions that we're buying, but that's local. I don't want to take a property back in Chicago. Um, so it's better for us as a lender to know exactly what we're getting into going into it and help coach them along if they are starting to have challenges. If we don't see an inspection at least every 30 days, we are forcing inspections. We are going in, making sure that the projects are moving forward. The ones that go silent for six to 10 months, those are the ones you get nervous about. It's like, I can't help you. If you were having issues 10 months ago, you should have been calling. So we take a more proactive approach with those types of clients. It's like, hey, we don't want to take this back. We want to help you and get you through this. Um, so I think that's helped us be very successful and and it has helped our portfolio perform too. The reality is our, our funds make money when people make their payments and when they pay us off, not when we have to foreclose on properties. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious, are you seeing any distress in your mortgage side of your business, just given yeah. how things are changing? Yeah, I mean, I think what we've tried to really stress with people that are having some distressed situations, and, and most of the time, they're the people that are still hung up on the fact that they're going to fix and flip this, and they're going to mm -hmm. make all this money. It's like, that is the market we had six months ago, even three months ago, is not the same. Like, they have got to change their mindset and, you know, switch to, hey, Maybe you thought this was your profit six months ago. Take that and probably divide that in half. And that's about what your profit would be. And it's probably better off to just cash flow it and hold it out, you know, hold out through the market. So um, that's where I've probably seen the biggest shift. And I, I do believe, you know, honestly, our default rate is as low as it was 12 months ago because we stay in very close contact with our borrowers and they know, you know, hey, communicate with us and we can help you. If you don't communicate, then we're just going to have to foreclose, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but we have an obligation to the fund to protect its assets too. And if someone's not calling 30, 45 days down the road and there's zero communication, we are going to start foreclosure. Uh, but more often than not, you know, it's, it's a matter of just working with them um, and kind of really just assisting them through the, the, the tough spot. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And so you mentioned that you saw some um, value reduction of about 20%. I'm curious if you, you know, what's the range of property value, I guess, yeah. drops that you've seen? And then what are you expecting going forward um, in terms of, you know, property values and opportunities? Yeah. I don't think we're at the bottom yet. I don't see interest rates you know, declining anytime soon. I think there's going to be another rate increase, you know, which affects um, people buying properties. Um, we in our little area, so I mean, I guess I need to speak to the equity and then also to the debt side of things. The debt side of things is hard to, to really quantify because they're all over the United States. Some areas are much more distressed than others. Um, we are starting to see, you know, about a 20% reduction. Now we don't lend more than 70%. So we still have, you know, 30% to play with, right? So we're still fine, even with 20%. Um, in our local market, we saw about a 40% increase in values over the last two years, which is just massive. 
we've not started to see that decline that much. I'd say like literally under 10% uh, as far as like a decline in the values. Mm -hmm. But what we have seen is properties aren't selling as fast. Mm -hmm. You know, people are sitting on the sidelines waiting, you know, and, and in their mind, they're saying, well, I'm going to wait till rates are go down. Well, you know what? Rates aren't going down anytime soon. We don't believe they're going to go down for at least another year and a half. I've got a 24-year-old son. I told him, hey, you're going to buy properties a lot less than you did six months ago. And when rates come back down, then you go refinance. So right. we feel like there's a lot of opportunity. We're pretty excited about this. I mean, successful real estate investors get excited about these kinds of market shifts. Um, and we are as well, you know, because we're going to, we're going to buy a lot of real estate and we've positioned our funds in a cash way that we can take advantage of those situations. Um, so we're excited about it. And if we buy them and we have to cash flow them, so be it. That's still really good profit for the fund. And then when values come back up in a couple of years and we'll just sell those assets. So we're not concerned about it. So I think it's, it's two different things. The acquisition side of things is something completely different because I feel like we are somewhat isolated in this market that we're in, in, in Eastern Washington and Northern Idaho, but then the debt side of things, that's the bigger question. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not in the Chicago market and I'm not in Detroit and, you know, areas that we're not physically in, but we have a lot of boots on the ground with clients and successful investors there. Again, we stay under that FHA cap, so I don't know that you're going to see it that much. I would be more concerned if we were in the really high-end homes, you know, and, and cat like places like California and things like that. But I don't think we've seen the bottom yet. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I guess the last question for the lending round is um, just how are you positioning your portfolio to take advantage of the um, coming opportunity? Yeah, so we, um, from the acquisition sides of things, I mean, the debt side of things, those assets are always moving in and out of there's, there's tons of people buying notes. I'm not, you know, there's not a lot to do. That's pretty hands off and, and easy to manage on the acquisition side of things. You know, we have some houses we bought 10 months ago that we had to evict some clients out of, or not clients, but tenants out of, you know, to sell the properties. And we're finding that those types of properties were actually um, holding as cash flowing. So to free up capital, some of those were selling to clients that need a 1031 exchange. So they wanted a turnkey rental property. Um, and then we can also leverage those. We have a line of credit that we can actually leverage. So we have enough cash to take advantage of the upcoming opportunities. But either way, you know, the debt and the acquisition still provides good profits for our funds. Our funds, our accredited investor fund has been yielding north of 10% um, for the last nine years. So it's got a great track record. And then our unaccredited investor fund has been yielding uh, seven to 8%, which is still a really good rate of return. And it has a minimum of $1,000. So it's still really good opportunities to deploy capital in real estate that is very hands-off. Awesome. Well, Secured Investment Corp is definitely very exciting. It's awesome to see all the different strategies that you employ and definitely, you know, makes a lot of sense in terms of positioning in both, you know, an up market or a down market. So yeah. exciting. Glad you got to see under the hood a little bit. So you're ready for lightning round? I'm ready. Awesome. So if you have any superpower, what would you choose? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> well, my kids would probably say I'd want to be invisible because they tell me I'm nosy. I disagree. I think it's just well-informed. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe being invisible. <laughs> awesome. That's a good one. So what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you the most in your journey? 
Yeah, that that's a good question. We actually do a book of the month club here at Secured Investment Corp. So we pay our staff and we have a staff of over 100 people, $100 a month to read a book that will better them professionally or in their personal life. Sometimes it's an assigned book. Sometimes it's dealer's choice. Um, but one of them that really resonated with me was who, not how. Um, that's a tough one. Um, this industry has grown a lot over the last 10 years. And I think back in the day, there were a lot of us that wore multiple hats and, you know, as an, as an organization and, you know, personally as a department, it's important to build a team, um, and learn to trust, but verify. And so I think identifying the who, not how I'm going to try to do everything, um, has been pretty powerful for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good book. So what motivates you to continue every day? My family, my family and my clients, you know, I feel like I'm setting a really great example for my kids. Um, you know, that there is just tons of opportunity out there and you don't have to have the capital to get started in real estate. Uh, and so, you know, going into the office every day, um, because I also know that my clients rely on me and I've been able to create wealth for them and they live very nice lifestyles without depleting their capital that they've saved up, you know, their whole working careers to do. Um, that's what, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Awesome. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Educate yourself, find a mentor, you know, surround yourself by people that are smarter than you and learn from them. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you really just have to find the deals. The deals are out there, the capital's out there. Uh, and so, you know, creating your network of people that you are with that are like-minded and smarter than you, I think the sky's the limit for, for somebody wanting to get into this industry. Awesome. So since I put you on the spot, I want to give you a chance for revenge. So what's the question you have for me? Uh, what's the most valuable piece of advice you've received? Mm, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's funny because it's, it's such a cliche, but um, the, the find your why advice is, I used to think it was just, you know, a, a funny little cliche, but when I like the longer I've sat with it, the more important I realized it is to understand like your motivation for doing something and yep. why and you know why it's important because mm -hmm. you know the things that you don't want to do, there's a lot of things that you don't want to do on the journey to accomplishing your goals. And the more you can understand and realize and remember why you're doing those things and why it's important to, you know, struggle through the pain that might be caused from doing the things that you don't necessarily want to do. Um you know, the reason is what's going to keep you going and what's going to push you through it. So um, understanding your motivation is really something I think is crucial to, to anyone. And then going on that, that if the thing you're doing is not really, you know, in line with your goals or is not exactly yeah. or not really what you want to be doing, um, you know, it gives you a chance to, to rethink because if you can't keep motivating and doesn't feel like there's a purpose for doing what you're doing, Maybe it's a good chance to think about, you know, what should you be doing and maybe pivot on on that and, and choose a new a new path or, you know, pivot on the path towards where you want to go. I like that. Awesome. Well, Heather, it's been great to have you on the show. I learned a lot about um, Secure Investment Corp. And it's really interesting to see a company that has the capacity to, to handle all these different verticals. So before we sign off, I'd love to hear where we can learn more about um, yep. SIC and, you know, 
who are the different clients, just to clarify who are the different clients you have the capacity to serve. Yeah. So you can always get more information or connect with me at our website at Secured Investment Corp. And so investment is singular, not plural, Secured Investment Corp. Uh, We've got information on there about the notes we sell. We've got information about both funds, you know, like you were just mentioning you're getting ready to open up a Roth. I've got kids probably your age that if you do not have a Roth, then you have the ability to open up a Roth for anybody that's on this podcast, go open up a Roth. You can get that capital working. Like I said, we've got fund three that you can invest as little as a thousand dollars. It's been yielding over 8%. So it's a really good rate of return. If you're a little higher net worth individual, Uh, and you're looking to deploy some capital into a residential real estate fund, which is not that common out there for those of you on here. Real estate funds are typically commercial. We are not commercial. Residential real estate, um, our accredited investor fund has been yielding over 10% for the last almost 10 years. So it's a very well-oiled machine, but they can always go to the website. They can schedule an appointment with myself or my team. I take calls all day long. I'm, I'm very connected and have open lines of communications with our clients. Um, And then if they're an active real estate investor and they're looking for funding, if you have a project you need some funding for, they can go to a different website and that's actually COGO Capital, C-O-G-O Capital. That's our more active clients that are out boots on the ground buying real estate, um, whether they're fixing and flipping it or buying it to hold, they can get more information about funding there. But I'd love to connect with anybody. Awesome. Well, definitely recommend anyone to, to reach out and um, learn more. So Heather, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks and everyone, of course, everyone keep making milestones. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to another awesome episode of Real Estate Milestones. If you've been enjoying the show and you'd like to offer your support, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to increase the show's visibility and help the message get out to a greater audience. I really appreciate your time and support and keep making milestones. The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts.